All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast, where I am joined, as always, by my co-host and best buddy, Mr. Aaron Pete's Mind Malone. What's up, Aaron? Hi, Bryce. How you doing today, man? You know, things are uh, things are all right. I mean, things are volatile. Things are uncertain. The markets have been shaky. Uh, but the one thing that isn't shaky is my conviction in the market and that crypto will be a huge part of the future um, and that we are you know, surrounded by some of the most genius builders in the space. And, and we get to speak to one today. Isn't that right, Pete? That's right. We have Luigi Denario DeMeo, the head of DeFi from Avalanche with us today. And that makes perfect sense because I just got back from Colorado. Colorado Avalanche are one of the best hockey teams in the league right now. Uh, and there is such tremendous growth over there at the conference I was at that had many, many layer ones, including representation from Avalanche. But it's an ecosystem we really haven't talked a lot about. It's one of the newer ones, but the traction that they have underneath them is staggering. Absolutely tremendous. I mean, they've come a huge, huge way in a short amount of time. And I can't wait to learn more about what makes Avalanche special. So Luigi, welcome to the Crypto 101 podcast. Hey guys, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, really looking forward to chatting with you. Um, yeah, so uh, let's kick it off. Let's kick it off. Yeah, before we even dive in, um, quick, you know, little background on yourself. Do you come at um, the, you know, the crypto and the DeFi space more from, you know, a business standpoint or maybe more of a developer standpoint or, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, sure. So uh, my background is in traditional finance. So I worked at Citigroup for about seven years trading uh, on the institutional side. So I traded uh, on a credit index desk, which is essentially a basket of credit default swaps as a derivative. Uh, I traded equities there and also held some some other role, uh, some other hats. Also, uh, after that, kind of did some some consulting work in terms of M&A strategic advisory. Really got involved in crypto around 2015 in a big way. I mean, I, I you know I sort of got involved with Bitcoin in like 2012, but uh, really got involved with crypto and Ethereum around 2015 and 16, and um, you know really started to hit all all the conferences, all the meetups, dive into smart contracts, what, what was possible, um, and raised funding for my own DAP in uh, 2017 that uh, we sought out to build. So. You know, I kind of went down every rabbit hole, I think, that a builder goes down to building something in Web3. Uh, understood all the complexity of building, um, you know, using Solidity. And I'm not a developer myself, but, you know, from a project manager standpoint, kind of building a product, I really dove deep into kind of what it takes. Mm. Um, and, you know, when DeFi came about, and I think, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is DeFi is probably the real, first real use case for crypto, uh, first major real use case at scale. You know, I kind of dove in with, with with both hands and, and full body, if you will. So, yeah. um, got involved really personal uh, on a personal basis, and you know, given all the context I had, uh, kind of you know, leverage and just being involved in the space. You know, I kind of just was bouncing around DeFi for a bit, and I had followed the Avalanche white paper since it dropped in twenty, uh, I believe, eighteen. And, you know, when I saw the opportunity pop up and they were looking to expand that that niche, uh, I thought I could be a good fit. And, you know, that was almost a year ago now. And now here we are. 
So. And here we are. And, and let's just uh, zoom out from a high level. Um, you know, Crypto 101, uh, we have lots of, you know, brand new listeners, lots of brand new folks in the space. So let's break down DeFi, right? What is decentralized finance and what about it made you attracted to it enough to leave your nice job at City? Yeah. So decentralized finance is, is, is in effect uh, the ability to conduct various transactions, financial activities, which could include borrowing and lending, uh, swapping assets, et cetera, without a central party sitting in between you and the party you're transacting with. So, you know, one good example is, you know, if you want to borrow money uh, in the traditional world, you go to a bank, which is a central entity, which provides you funding based on various criteria. Uh, in decentralized finance, you know, in the short lifespan that it has so far, uh, you can go to something like Aave, which is a lending and borrowing protocol, and uh, you can borrow assets versus some of your collateral, meaning some of your other assets. So if you give it some Bitcoin, deposit some Bitcoin, you can borrow some stable coins like USDC against that Bitcoin. But nobody, there is nobody sitting uh, in between you and the person that you borrowed funds so in effect, uh, there's just a smart contract. And what that allows for and like why that's a really cool and big idea, number one, it should reduce spreads, meaning like the cost of doing business over time because you don't have to pay the bank. But it also allows for uh, really unique things to be built on top of it. So, you know, hopefully in the future, when we have something like Uniswap, which is another decentralized finance application or Trader Joe, uh, which are swapping applications, you can, you know, swap one asset for another asset with nobody uh, sitting in between you and hope, hopefully nobody and kind of like front running your trades. So the decentralized finance, those are two really small examples. The implications are quite wide ranging um, because they, they really, uh, they allow for a whole new economy that's built on top of uh, less trust into central entities that, you know, know all your data and try to sell you based on that data. What do you think the success metrics are for DeFi as a space? Can it really take over the entire world or will there be parallel economies in centralized finance and decentralized finance? How do you view like real mass adoption in DeFi? That's a great question. So I, I, I think that for a, long, for a good amount of time, it'll definitely be parallel. Um, and until it's actually regulated, uh, it'll be very hard for it to, to be, you know, widely adopted because there are regulatory implications to, you know, swapping your assets with folks who aren't KYC and all this kind of stuff, uh, especially depending on the jurisdictions that you're in. So uh, until those things happen, um, the, the adoption question remains outstanding. However, long-term, I'm incredibly bullish on uh, decentralized finance being the way that that kind of finance is conducted. Once you use it, uh, once you're involved in it, you kind of realize that a lot of the other systems are very antiquated and don't really serve our purposes, you know, these days. And, um, you know, in the future, when eventually there's, let's call it a, you know, like a central bank digital currency or CBDC or some sort of form of fiat that we have now that's actually digital, decentralized finance will become incredibly more important because there won't even be that, that fiat outlet that there is now. So uh, folks will have to, you know, borrow and lend on their, on their 
money that they're also buying coffee with. And the implications of that are quite unique. So mm. uh, I think, I think we have a long way to go. Um, but the, the implications are, are quite wide ranging and, uh, I think will transform the financial infrastructure, which is to be clear is something that hasn't really had much innovation for decades at this point. Yeah. And it almost feels to me like there's gotta be a marriage almost of, um, real world assets and the blockchain. And basically there, there's all sorts of different projects that are out there that are, you know, bringing on and tokenizing real estate and being able to have deeds on the blockchain. So you could have verifiable transfer of ownership or, you know, uh, you know, loaning against real world assets and having, you know, NFT receipts and, uh, you know, passive income generated that way. But is real world assets, a area of focus for Ava labs. Yes. Um, it's an area of huge focus and I've, I've kind of put it on the roadmap for this year. Um, you know, last year for us was about adoption, um, gaining traction, uh, proving that the chain, uh, the blockchain in effect does what we say it does. Um, this year is about, you know, uh, you know, kind of going into multiple different, uh, niches and, and, and verticals, uh, if you will, to kind of build out adoption for, for everything. So in terms of real world assets, you know, there are many folks who are kind of working and talking. Uh, about that stuff. So you have Centrifuge. I think Maple Finance is another one that is looking into that. So uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of folks working on that. I know they've implemented some of that on Aave, on Ethereum, and we're in talks to kind of make that happen as well. But yes, you know this under this over collateralized lending and borrowing is not like the input. It's not what DeFi has to offer for the long term future. There's real world assets and, and putting all the stuff on the blockchain is, is what's going to happen. And, and, and digitizing, you know, all assets is, is what the real implications are. One could make the argument that DeFi was born on Ethereum and it just spread like wildfire all throughout that ecosystem and to other ecosystems as well that are now replicating what was already built and improving upon it. Well, what was it about Avalanche that made you want to build there specifically as opposed to Ethereum or Cardano or Tezos or anything else? Yeah. Um, so a few things, really. Um, you know, when I read the Avalanche white paper, and, and you know, I, that is the reason I prefaced my story in terms of I tried to build a dApp on Ethereum uh, in 2017 and really went down every rabbit hole. And, you know, there's some real uh, complexity to building a DAP on, on Ethereum, um, not because of the EVM, um, but because of the costs and the fees, the transaction fees are quite high. Uh, you know, a simple swap transaction, depending on the time of day, could be 50 to $150, which is just not reasonable for, for, for many applications. Mm -hmm. So when I saw the Avalanche white paper and the innovative consensus mechanism that it proposed, and I want to keep this, you know, high level, but... Uh, in effect, what I saw that was possible was a scalable blockchain with low fees. And Avalanche has this notion of something called subnets. Subnets are, in effect, uh, application-specific blockchains or additional blockchains that can continue to be grown on the Avalanche network. So you can continue to see new and new and new blockchains growing. It could be for one application. It could be for one niche. It could be for one vertical. You're going to hear a lot about that in the coming months. But, but, but what's really cool about that is it allows Avalanche to scale horizontally 
and you know infinitely frankly because you know when you when you set up continuous new blockchains and you, you don't have the the log jams that you do in a, on a single threaded chain and now are, are subnets live is this something that's already active or, or are we still are they still being developed Subnets are live. Uh, we, we recently announced something called subnet EVM, which is essentially you can spin up your own subnet uh, with one command line code at the moment. Uh, I think we put that out in December. Uh, we are currently uh, working with many partners uh, that are developing their own subnets that you should see in, you know, in the next month or so. And I think that's going to be a transformation for the whole blockchain space. Uh, you know, many applications don't need to be completely composable, meaning uh, sitting on top of each other on the same chain. And many applications uh, kind of get ruined um, by being on one chain. So for example, some of these, uh, some of this, what's called GameFi, which are high throughput transactions, um, things that I call that are not mission critical, right? Which, you know, like, you know, whether or not you're feeding your NFT chickens or you're doing these types of things, right? You know, this is not mission critical. Uh, so taking those types of things off a main chain and putting it on a subnet where users can, you know, have even much lower fees than already are, are on the Avalanche C chain and, and, uh, and, and much higher throughput. But the other impact of this is it doesn't affect anymore what's happening on the main chain. So you take all that load off the main chain mm. and, you know, now all the experiences get infinitely better. The other unique thing with the subnet is that uh, let's say you're an application or you're a game and you want to build on a subnet, uh, the gas token of that subnet could be your token. So that's quite unique in the sense that it allows for all new tokenomics for all these applications that, that didn't exist prior. And it gives more utility to these tokens. Fascinating. By now, you've probably heard all about cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. And you might have even already started investing in them. But did you know that you could invest in cryptocurrencies through your retirement account? Uh, that's right. With iTrust Capital, you can buy and sell cryptocurrencies from a crypto IRA and get all the same tax advantages as a traditional IRA. So iTrust Capital allows you to invest in over two dozen of the most popular cryptocurrencies. And unlike the stock market, you can buy and sell 24 hours a day. The iTrust Capital platform is easy to use and it only takes a few minutes to create your account. And setting up an IRA is free and iTrust's fees are low. It's time to start taking control of your financial future. And with iTrust Capital, you can get all the tax benefits of a retirement account while investing in crypto. So visit iTrust.capital slash crypto 101 to start investing today. Again, that's itrust.capital slash crypto 101. Taxes and conditions may apply, fees apply, and cryptocurrencies are a speculative investment with a risk of loss, and iTrust Capital Incorporated does not provide legal investment or tax advice. Consult with a qualified legal investment or tax professional. Let's face it, we've all gotten burned by crypto at one point. I mean, I know I have, right? One day you're up 167% or whatever, and the next day you're deep in the red. But remember, great investors know when to reinvest their gains. And this may shock you, but many 
elite crypto whales are reinvesting their gains into an unexpected alternative asset, and that's blue chip art. So from 1995 to 2021, blue chip art prices outpaced the S&P 500 by 164%. And this could explain why a crypto billionaire recently invested hundreds of millions of dollars into physical art. And even if you aren't flushed with you know, Bitcoin billions, well, you can still diversify with art like those guys, all right? And with Masterworks, the revolutionary investing app, you can actually invest in art. You can invest in a Warhol or a Banksy, for instance, all for less than a tenth of a Bitcoin. Sounds like a good deal, right? And for a limited time, they're giving Crypto 101 listeners a special offer. And to find out what that special offer is, head to masterworks.io slash crypto. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Crypto 101. Again, that's www.masterworks.io slash crypto 101. It's important as well to see the important regulation A disclosures at masterworks.io slash CD. And we're going to put that in the show notes as well. Now, one of the other things that I, I've come to discover about AVAX was that, and, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it has the most validators, the largest validator set of any other proof of stake protocol. Is that correct? To my knowledge, that is correct. There's, there's almost 1,300 validators, um, and that's growing quite fast uh, every wow. week. And, uh, you know, that's... It's, it's a nuanced point. Uh, so there's two important things about Avalanche. Uh, one is finality. Finality is super important when you're looking at blockchains because 
what that means is from the time I submit my transaction, how fast before it is completely final, you know, in these old proof of work systems, you had these things called confirmations where you had to wait a certain amount of confirmations before your transaction was actually complete. And it couldn't be something that's called a reorg. Uh, on Avalanche, in less than one second, your transaction is completely final, cannot be reorged, it's done. And what this allows for is really, really nice UX uh, experience. You know, you submit traction, uh, transactions done, you're already moving to the next, you're just like, you're clicking and going, and that feels good. So that's important, but combining the fact that we have the 1300 validators with the sub-second finality, shows the power of kind of uh, the, the science behind what, what Avalanche has. Because a lot of these other chains, you know, they have 50 validators. So it's not super hard to, to kind of have good throughput and speed when, you, when, you're, when you're super centralized. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things that I've seen uh, in some competitors is the networks actually just going down and just being, you know, kind of backlogged for a day or for eight hours or something. Um, has anything ever happened like that in AVAX? Have there been any like, big network outages or, or maybe something similar? Um, not since I've been here. Uh, not, not, and that's not to say it's because of me. Just be, mm -hmm. I'm just saying in my experience being here, um, that, is never, that has never once happened. We had one very brief gas spike before one of our upgrades went in. But that's, you know, just business as usual. Nothing stopped. Everybody got their transactions through. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I had watching very closely, you know, some of this other stuff that has been going on. Yeah. I mean, look, this is, this is, this is going to be interesting to see kind of the way this all plays out. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's interesting. I, I want to harken back to, um, you know, you mentioned uh, GameFi, and I think this is a, a very, very new trend. At least it's new to me, right? I've, I've kind of been a, you know, a crypto guy, censorship resistance guy, DeFi, and then now, GameFi is starting to come up and I'm like, whoa, I am not caught up to speed there. But it's a huge, huge trend that I think Avalanche is the main leader in. Um, now, are there any uh, fun games or do you have a, a favorite kind of like game on Avalanche that you'd love to plug? Okay, so um, my, my, my job in, in itself lends itself to being quite lonely <laughs> uh, if i if i say one game game is my fit uh i'll have like 30 dms I'll, I'll give you a few good games that that i know of uh so there's the crobata game on avalanche which is really fun um you can buy your crab nfts and send them out to mine and there, there's a whole really cool roadmap that they're developing that i think you know i i mean people are quitting their jobs frankly to mind these crabs which is bananas but wow yeah no bananas yeah, is a different it, it, game it, yeah <laughs> fair enough it's a it's it's a good game um they're building a subnet which is cool i like the chicken nft game that's mm -hmm. that's pretty cool um what else if i'm forgetting a game don't get mad at me no. i'll say one on another chain this way uh you know i seem fair too DeFi Kingdoms, it, it, well, they will be coming to Avalanche uh, with their new realm, but that's on Harmony right now. And that's a really cool game, in my opinion. They got some really deep-rooted uh, ideas and thoughts. And then Ragnarok is a new one that's going to that's gonna launch. So you're going right. to see, like, so many of these games in the next six months. Ragnarok's like an old game that's, like, super famous, isn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. I don't think this is the same. Yeah, I don't think it's the same. Okay. Yeah. Could you kind of explain to, to us and to the audience a little bit about like the mechanics there? You're saying like, you know, people are quitting their jobs to, you know, mine these NFTs. And I think a lot of times people are like, 
you know, that sounds crazy. They don't get it. And like, it's the same way that people didn't understand, you know, 10 years ago, people quitting their jobs to go, you know, mine Bitcoin, right. Or, you know, people yeah. are like, that's insane. Like that, that, that doesn't make mm -hmm. any sense. You're burning electricity to like run this computation pattern. And then you mm -hmm. get rewarded these, you know, you know, digital to tokens that don't have any value. Like what, what the hell are you doing? And then of course, now, we're, now we see an entire industry. So I see so many similarities between like, you know, the skeptics of GameFi and like people just saying like, oh, it's, you know, just a toy. But, you know, there's that famous quote, the next big thing often does just look like a toy. So what are some yeah. of the mechanics that are like drawing people in and making people money there? Well, a lot of it's actually some deep rooted strategy uh, in order to be quite successful in these games. So, you know, they're, they're, you, you need to be quite strategic. A lot of it I liken to, I liken it to is like, owning rental properties. You know, you, you buy a property, uh, you rent it out to people and they pay you in, you know, they pay you some, some income and you pay off some of the expenses and hopefully there's some profit at the end. This is kind of like that. Uh, you know, you're buying an asset, an NFT, uh, you're sending it out to do whatever the game is incentivizing you to do in order to earn some coins. And then with those coins, you are making decisions of, you know, buying more crabs or, you know, i.e. real estate or um, selling those tokens that they gave you for dollars or, or stable coins and just earn, you know, keep keeping the income. So, so there's a lot of dynamics in that front, but if, in effect, this is what the, it forces users to do. And I think this is just the first stage of these, these types of, uh, these types of games where, you know, it's just a bootstrapping mechanism to get people to start to play. And then it'll start to get much more in depth as it relates to, battles, PTP, different types of actual gaming mechanisms inside the game, like like where it feels like you're playing a web game. So I, th I think there's like, I mean, this is pretty new. This is a pretty new space at this point. Speaking of new spaces, we're hearing a lot about the metaverse. Is metaverse and GameFi the same thing or is it the same thing sometimes or two totally separate things that both just happen to be happening in virtual worlds? Yeah, I think the metaverse and GameFi can intersect. I don't think they're exactly, I don't think every GameFi is a metaverse. So metaverse, in my opinion, is just something where, you know, you can bring some sort of digital component identity, something around in various digital places. That's kind of how I think about the metaverse. So it's like a, no, a new world, but where you have some existence and you can kind of um, tra traverse across that new world and do various things. Fantastic. Um, Luigi, while we still have you, um, you know, we, we have a couple questions that, that we'd like to dive into with every guest that comes on the show. And it's kind of a simple one, but uh, of all the other companies, and, and we'll just say excluding any partnership that you guys are working with or any, anybody affiliated with uh, Avalanche, what is one company that you think is making kind of like the largest impact on the crypto space feel free to take your time thinking about it it's kind of a big question oh man that's a that's that's a really good question i would say between ftx and coinbase there's two right there that are you know central entities centralized entities that are making a big difference and the reason for that is they're creating a lot of awareness for the space uh whether that's you know in, in a good way or a bad way uh that's not for me to opine on but they are creating a ton of a a ton of awareness. Um, you know, you saw the Super Bowl ads, the naming of stadiums, but also what they're doing is they're actually taking DeFi concepts like 
you know, uh, yield farming, staking, and doing it, and, and allowing users to perform this in a centralized way, uh, such that it feels like it's a little easier for them. So I think that that gives people a natural segue and easy way to kind of uh, get their feet wet. And so that's pretty important. So they're also uh, tackling a lot of the regulatory things, right? They're, they're taking the bullets for the rest of the industry as it relates to kind of talking to regulators, you know, uh, in Coinbase's uh, case, you know, yeah. becoming a public company, right? So that's super important for the industry. A lot of folks in DeFi might not realize because we, you know, there's very anarchist tilt to that to that group. But you know, eventually, if you want to be part of the real world, you have to, you know, you have to play with the real world, and uh, yeah. and regulation eventually comes into play there. Can Can I actually um, ask you your you know your opinion on you know as a, as a head of DeFi, where do you see just I mean global regulation going what's like the trend for this is it going to be that you know all wallets have to be kyc'd do you see that as being something or is it going to be just more you know down you know state level regulations do you see anything kind of uh, on the horizon it's 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 very uh undecided frankly mm. i think i think the problem here not the problem but the situation is you have multiple jurisdictions thinking about things and learning about things at different paces and different ways and it's just very hard to regulate at this point because you, if you take a very strict stance right now, you know, you risk other counterparties and other nations not doing so. And thus, you know, all this excitement and, and innovation leaving, you know, your country and, you know, also making a huge policy error. So mm. I think it's hard for anybody to act in a very strong and big way yet, you know, until either the industry forces regulators to do it by doing something really stupid or by, um, you know, they, you know, regulators sort of putting together like a, a joint body to kind of like perform some of this. So if 2021 was the year of adoption, improving the technology, what do you think you, you could call 2022, the year of blank? Oh, man. I'm hoping 2022 is the year where tokens are given more utility. Hmm. You know, I think we did, I think some of that happened in 2021. So I think 2021 was really good to proving, Hey, look, there's going to be more than one blockchain and you know, there's more than one of these that could work. I think in 2022, hopefully we can show that, Hey, you know, tokens are actually something that you might want to own because they actually have the utility they have real value. And uh, you're going to want some of those in your portfolio potentially, you know, hopefully that's where it ends up. Aaron, let me ask you the same question. I think it's a great answer, and uh, my answer is similar, but I'll, I'll rephrase it. I think it's the year of legitimacy. Hmm. It's where this stuff is proven to be a safe technology to use in a company, in a government, in a lifestyle, in your own savings and investment portfolio. There's people that never would have got into crypto, and you know I have got a story when I first got in. My best friend laughed at me. He said, you're doing what? You're getting involved in, huh? And he said, look, man, this is never going to take off. When my mom, a little old Mexican lady who doesn't even trust the banks, you're who Mexican? keeps all her money in an envelope, finally agrees to do Bitcoin with her sewing circle, then I'll believe it's going to happen. And sure enough, last year, his mom called me oh, and her. said, okay. I want to put money into Bitcoin. <laughs> and that was the aha moment that the top was in. And sure enough, I sold a lot of my holdings and bought a house. But uh, sure enough, like 
that 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 happened and i think that's going to happen for more and more and more people this year and in terms of tokens having more utility i think we're starting to see that with a lot of teams revamping their tokenomics right now yeah we're seeing farming as a service come out where instead of being a speculative asset each token is essentially a share of a fund which can either you know be pegged at net asset value or not um and i think there's going to be a lot more gravity towards these types of tokens as new ways of analyzing these things come out models for you know discounted cash flow futures or whatever it is to understand some kind of value for what this token can represent relative to a network's earnings mm. uh, or yield in a treasury i think some of these things are going to start coming out and become more accepted standards where right now it doesn't exist yet but i think uh, you know, crypto's 365, 24 seven, one year in crypto is like a decade in the rest of the world. So I think before the end of the year, we're going to have solved some of these challenges. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited um, just for the fact that like, you know, crypto has just such a density of intelligent builders, right. And just intelligent people. And so when there's problems, you know, there, it's like a hive mind, like the incentives are so well aligned for people to, continue to develop in crypto and to research in crypto and to build because at the end of the day this is where all the action's happening there's a, a huge huge outflow of you know people from web 2 or from traditional finance into crypto and you know people people love owning bitcoin people love owning you know ethereum and a lot of these layer 1 tokens and you know over time i think there there's just more and more and more fundamental value that continues to accrue to these networks that again, hopefully in theory, and you know, it accrues to the token, but yeah, these communities are, are, are really strong. They're growing. So yeah, I'm excited. And you know, Luigi, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know you got uh, the, the avalanche conference coming up and there's all sorts of crazy things. Um, so we'll, we'll just ask you one final question um, before we let you go. And it's a pretty simple one, but you know, Crypto 101, a lot, lot of brand new folks getting into the industry. What's just one word of advice, one word of wisdom that you would uh, want to you know, leave with, with all the listeners today from a, from a true veteran? Sure. First of all, thanks for having me, guys. This is, this is really a ton of fun. And you know, I really admire you guys kind of opening up space um, you know, via education. But one thing I tell people all the time is, you know, don't be scared by the first you know, interface that comes up. You know? get your hands dirty, uh, start to play around with some of these applications and you'll see how quickly uh, you'll learn and how easy a lot of this actually is. Don't be afraid to YouTube things and then to learn how to use various applications. There are a lot of tutorials online, um, you know, and just do your research. You know, like if you're confused about something, click the discord link on the application and ask a question, go into the telegram, ask a question. You know, I've never seen an industry that has more, uh, actual help for people um to kind of ease their way in and this stuff is 24 7. there is a community mod available to answer questions on all these applications at any time i mean there's you really are in good hands if you can you know if you're willing to just ask so i would just say get your hands dirty ask questions and you know enjoy fantastic well everybody thank you for listening we hope you guys learned something i know i sure did um, and with that being said, uh, we'll catch you guys soon.
saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save 